Welcome to episode seven of Getting to Know Your Community. I'm Will, part of the DeFi Association, and I'm with Simon, who's a mentor uh, in the blockchain space. And today we're talking to uh, Crypto Karen. So, uh, Karen, before we get started, uh, we're curious. Of, uh, we're curious. Um, how did you come up with the name Crypto Karen? What's the story behind that? Yeah, so I started my little TikTok with my 12 followers and, you know, the algorithm brought me to crypto and I was like, this is really cool. I want to learn more about this. And then um, I wanted to put myself out there and actually become a creator. And I just thought, okay, well, there's like Crypto Mason and Crypto Josh. So let's be Crypto Karen and let's introduce, let's make my page a crypto page. So that's how it all started. And now I think, um, you know, I have... I have a really um, strong female audience, which I really love, um, and a male audience as well. And, you know, now I've been able to get over, like, my camera shyness and become Crypto Karen and have, yeah, really interesting discussions and hopefully out there providing news and updates. And, yeah, that's Crypto Karen. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, you are in security, eh? What, what kind of security? So Web 2 to Web yeah. 3 security, as I, as I understand? Well, yeah, well, it was Web3. I was consulting in tech for the last like seven or eight months. Um, I just got a new job. So I just, um, it's a job in the Web2 world, but I'm going to bring the brand to Web3. I'm ready talking to them about like NFTs and the metaverse, like it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, consulting in tech and privacy and security mainly. Um, and advising startups on their privacy obligations and how to navigate like the online privacy world in like a you know an unregulated space really. Can I, can, can I dig into that about the web two to web three? I think a lot of people have different ideas of what web two and web three are. So kind of what's your perspective of the difference between Web 2 and Web 3, and especially how does it apply to security? Because that one I really don't quite understand what security-wise looks like for Web 3. Right. Well, I think um, all of the builders and developers and founders are figuring that out as they go. But the main difference in my eyes between Web 2 and Web 3 is like the decentralization of information and data. So my that's my real interest is data and data privacy and where's information going and where's information being stored. And right now the power and the information is with so many centralized authorities. Um, so moving towards a Web3 space, we're hopefully going to get more power and more ownership of our own data and our own information. But with that comes, I think, more responsibilities. Like you have to be really aware of security and privacy and you don't want to there's no one to call in web3 like there's no help desk to be like oh i've breached my data you know um so i think there's a couple of pitfalls that everyone's still trying to figure out and there's regulated you know the regulators are still grappling with that like i think they're not sure sure what to do about that yet because the current legislative framework doesn't really apply to the web three world yet right so we'll see so Karen, i'm actually curious like um uh so, so you mentioned both privacy and security and yeah. i was wondering um so, i mean so there's heaps of uh, so when you think about privacy and security there's there i mean it's like a massive field so i was wondering like yeah. uh, so what are you involved in is it encryption of data is it um 
uh, you know, protecting uh, uh, users in, in Web 2? And, you know, how do you want to translate that to uh, Web 3? So right now, um, for the company I work for now, it's like data privacy of customer information, employee information, and basically making sure that that's secured and protected as it should be, um, really to avoid a, a massive business data breach or cyber attack or something like that. But when I was consulting in tech um, and consulting in privacy, it was really advising entities about what they should and should not be collecting, because I think that's the first port of call with privacy, right? It's like, if you aren't, if you're collecting things that you don't need or don't have a business need for, that's the first problem. Um, so yeah, that was my, my main remit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. To, to dig into that, I guess, of the, of the privacy section, you know, we're talking about privacy in databases and my yeah ignorant mind when I think of blockchain, blockchain is open source and transparent. So how does security and privacy and databasing come into it for, for you then when blockchain is open source supposedly and transparent? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So I think when we think about privacy and blockchain and privacy and crypto, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about it. There's, um, there's privacy coins, which are more protect there's you know Monero is a primary one where you know if you're trading a Bitcoin your wallet address it can be traced back to you and that is transparent and that's the point of the blockchain right but if you're using something like Monero or a privacy mixer or something like that there are ways to be more de-identified on the blockchain and I think that's probably what a lot of people who want to remain anonymous on a non-anonymous technology will be using and then there's you know you're, if you're talking about centralized authorities and um, platforms and you know things like that then then your identity is tied back to that as well so I think identity and privacy are really closely linked there are ways to hide your identity on the blockchain and I think using some of those techniques would be the way to do it um, but the the beautiful thing about the blockchain right is that it is open source and it is up there for everyone to see so if you don't want that for whatever reason you're probably going to have to add a layer or two of complexity yeah it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword isn't it like uh it's it's open so anyone can audit it but then uh at the same time yeah everybody knows exactly what you're doing when you did it and how much you spent and you know that's, exactly. that's something that needs to be solved um, and I, th I think there's solutions that are coming out, but they're probably still really young. Like you mentioned, um, uh, so, uh, mixers, which uh, oh. interestingly, uh, not a lot of people know that much about mixers. I, I wonder if you could, uh, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about mixers, how you use them, if there's any mixers that you could recommend. Um, I don't know too much about mixers. I know that there's a way to use the like a mixer technology that it I think it ties in with like zero proof knowledge where the technology tells the party you're interacting with yes we have this information we confirm that we confirm that that is what we've seen but we're just letting you know that we've seen the information and it's valid but we're not going to share that information with you so I think it's tied to that like zero proof knowledge where it's that protection that the technology offers that it's like, 
that assurance of, hey, we got this, we we confirm that we have the information, we confirm that you can make this trade, this, you know, this trade that you want to make, um, and but, but not no actually revealing the underlying information. That's, that's the way it's protected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to just dig into, I guess, a bit more of um, why, why security and decentralization is important for, for databases. Um, you know, we're in a world now where you know, crypto is in a down market. Everyone's looking for the, the reason why to use blockchain. So what, what is it? What's the sales pitch? Why would someone say, yes, I need to have that. That's way better than the existing system. Well, I think a lot of businesses are going to have to ask themselves that question over the next few years, right? There's a lot of um, business enterprise blockchains that are really attractive to a range of industries. I think, for example, like the health industry and the identity industry, think about um, the sales pitch, I would say, to an industry looking to upgrade their technology and enter the blockchain technology or start using something like that is this decentralization of you can't take down the system, right? You can't take down, um, you can't breach the system and breach that information unless you take down all of the nodes, which is a much better protection than breaching one database, which often companies have one database and then like a backup database. And it's, you know, that's their disaster recovery. Whereas to you know, breach a blockchain, you have to take down the whole network. That's obviously much more difficult. So I would say it in a lot of ways, it's more secure, right? Mm -hmm. um, much more, um, you know, the authority and the control is not with one party, which there's a lot of security promise around. Yeah, and I, I do remember, I think it was in 2018, where uh, there was a specific virus that was going around, and it actually hit the place I was working for, um, and it came in as a, a resume, and somebody opened up the resume, they clicked accept my really? and uh, the virus spread uh, everywhere. A uh, couple of minutes later, uh, we were compromised, you know, the data went like that. Wow. You know, and, and that is such a big risk for um yeah for for any organization so like you say it's uh, super important to have it uh first of all in different nodes uh you know one node may be compromised but with the encryption that's in blockchains that's probably really hard to do uh now yeah. you across heaps of nodes um i wonder exactly. if you, yeah yeah i wonder if you've uh, heard of web5 which is also really interesting I heard like a sort of post, I think it was like Jack Dorsey or someone talking mm. about Web5 and I just thought, oh my God, Web3 hasn't even fully <laughs> evolved yet. I can't even think about, we've completely skipped Web4 apparently. Um, no, but tell me about Web5. Well, it's, it's really interesting. I think it ties into what you were talking about, decentralizing data. And so Web5 was, uh, it's, it's a play on words. So it's all about combining both Web 2 and Web 3, which is also kind of, I think, what you're trying to do. And so yeah. what Dorsey was trying to uh, propose was um, getting, um, so, so pretty much uh, storing data in decentralized nodes, right? Uh, and then uh, the problem with companies today is that, uh, so say your data is on Facebook, it's on Twitter, uh, it's it's all siloed and and Facebook and Twitter do yeah. all the information, which is something else that you've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. But then the whole premise of this is that this the whole data itself is completely decentralized 
And what happens is you have uh, an ID, they call it a DID, a decentralized ID that is stored on the blockchain, on Bitcoin's blockchain. And what right. happens is um, apps ask you for permission to access data. And it's very granular. So you can say, yes, you can have, you're a doctor, so you can have Mm-hmm. this kind of information you're a social network so you can have my name my photos and the friends that i'm following and so on so it's a really interesting way of controlling data um but i yeah i i don't know about calling it web5 you know it's mm-hmm. yeah yeah it just sounds like an extension of web3 i guess but yeah web maybe they wanted to sound all new and techy. I, 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 <laughs> I think that's i think that must have been it um yeah. Karen, I want to ask you that what we're seeing so far in crypto is we've had you know, a DeFi summer and DeFi yeah. is now probably going through an evolution stage to be probably better, hopefully, at the end of it. I haven't seen, I guess, from a, a privacy security perspective, the first level of that. We haven't really seen it integrated or in, in use, many use cases out there. How far away do you think it is from actually really seeing some actual real use cases and, and, and you know, adoption of this kind of technology for you? Yeah, I think, well, right now, while the market's down, I know builders and developers are making the most of it and working really hard. Um, Over the last couple of months, I've met a couple of founders working on privacy and identity and security initiatives. So I know there's work going on in the space. What I'd really like to see is some established like privacy and security and identity protocols that could be adopted over different blockchains. I think some are already doing that. There's, I know Storage, S-T-O-R-J, is doing some really cool stuff with decentralized storage. Um, And there are a couple of other companies that kind of jump to mind that that are trying to tackle this problem. But I think it's so tricky without having that legislative and regulatory framework in place and not just in any one country but like internationally we have such different approaches and then such fragmented privacy and security laws and we still don't know how if at all they're going to apply to um i guess centralized companies because you can't really i don't know how we really are going to regulate something like bitcoin like who do we call we can't call the ceo of bitcoin and be like hey you really need to implement this privacy protocol or this and this thing um so i think we've still got a way to go i think we're still grappling with how to collect and deal with information and i i think going forward oracle networks will be really important because we've got so much information out there our whole lives are online everything we interact with collects information and i think oracle networks will be really important in translating the information that is already out there in the world onto blockchain. So I think things like Chainlink will be really important because the information is there. We just want to take the right information, have it on the blockchain, have it stored appropriately with the appropriate protections. And then at the end of the day, we want control of that. Like imagine if, you know, with that um, identity thing, that would be really incredible to be able to interact with services and providers and only hand over what you need to hand over like a really simple example is going to a bar and they you know take your id and they scan your id it's like that bar is 
actually just wanting to verify that you're over 18. So the only piece of information they need is your date of birth. Like there is no reason why they need your name, your photo and your address and your date of birth. So if you think of it really simply of like the information that's out there and what's actually needed, if we can have some protocols and oracles in place that will extract the right information and we can actually start to use data in a way that helps us and not just have it out there floating for eternity with companies that might not be putting in the appropriate controls in place. So I think we've still got a way to go, but I know that there are people that, you know, are aware, are very aware that this is a problem and that this is going to be like scalability and interoperability, one of the big issues that we have to solve if we want successful blockchains and protocols. That's really interesting. I think it could even get more granular because uh, you talked about zero knowledge proofs before. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, the bar might not even need to know your date of birth. All it needs to know is that you're all over 18. True, exactly. Exactly, yeah. like a yes, no. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I pick apart that? Because I think a lot of people are like, just, just understanding Bitcoin, for people are sitting there going, well, why do we need a different kind of money? I already have dollars. So mm. let's, can you explain to us, I guess, so people can understand, okay, the bar only needs to know your date of birth. They don't need your picture. They don't need your address and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people say, but who cares? What's the risk? Why do we want to protect that information? Why is it important mm-hmm. people know that that needs to be protected? Well, sticking with the bar example, like they take that photo and they store that and like how long are they storing that for? Who has access to that? You know, do you want someone who's working at the bar to have your photo and your address? Like very simply sticking with that example, it's the information we hand over. And if you think about how much we hand over with websites and trackers and things like that, I think if people don't care slash aren't interested in the protection of their personal information, I think they probably don't understand the level of risk to it. Um, And, you know, maybe not have not been like on the dark web where you can buy someone's identity for $5, you know, their credit card information, their address, their name, their social security number, that stuff has come from breaches. It's come from inappropriate protections and it's come from us handing over things that if we sat back and thought about it, we didn't need to hand over or we shouldn't have handed over to that party in that way. Um, So I think with businesses as well, like they only, in my experience in auditing companies um, and government agencies and looking at what they're doing with data, nobody cares about privacy and security until they've had a data breach. And then they're like, oh, actually, this is this goes to the fundamentals of our business. And now we have to pay this. We have to report these people. We have to self-report. We have to deal with this damage to our reputation. And if you look at it from an individual perspective, like going through restoring your identity is such a nightmare and is so complicated. And there are a few services that help people with that like there's like id care and i think the government has some services about it but once it's out there and once it's been breached like it's it's really can mess up your credit you can like it can be difficult to buy a house open up new bank accounts so i think if people um aren't like aware of the issues they might be like oh well 
my intro's out there anyways, who cares? But it's when it really has a real life impact on you that you realise the importance of it. I imagine hackers could probably use that information. So the information that's out there is, uh, you could call it harmless, but then mm. I think some of the right skills could probably find all that information that's got to put it together and then maybe use yeah. that to get into your bank account or something. Right. Yeah. And all they need to say is, uh, you know, my name is such and such. I've lost my yeah. password. Uh, what was your cat's name? You know, and there you go. Yeah. Boom. And that stuff's probably on my Instagram or something like this. It can be fragmented, but you can piece together that information, right? And then just do a search on the dark web. It's probably out there somewhere already. If you have that website, um, I'd say for individuals that have I been pwned, website yeah. if you've ever been on there um type in your email address and see if there's been a breach there's you know there's countless companies that you've probably interacted with that have had some kind of cyberware attack and that information's out there somewhere so i wanted to bring it to an example i guess again because I, I, I love using examples but um yeah. Example very much, very much in the minds of a lot of DeFi people who've been around for a little bit was the the Ledger database hack, where they got the you know the phone numbers and addresses and emails of all the people who bought ledgers. And I I yeah. personally didn't get affected by it, but many of my friends you know, still to this day getting texts and emails about this. So yeah. obviously that was a huge breach of privacy. A lot of people in crypto got scammed by this. Mm-hmm. What what is the proposals that you're saying? How would that protect and prevent something like that occurring? Well, I so was that a was that a ransomware attack or a cyberware attack? I'm not sure. I don't know specifically what the attack was, but they just they got into ledger, like they they got the they got their database of all the people who bought ledgers and their addresses and their phone numbers and emails. Yeah, that's terrible. So yeah, that's interesting as well because you're trying to interact with like a crypto resource and you're like, come on, they should at least be technologically aware of these risks. But I'd be interested to see from an audit perspective, like what databases they were using, what access controls they had in place, whether there was like the appropriate VPNs and separation. It sounds like um, stuff like that where it's different subsets of information being breached at the same time that sounds like it was all stored together and not in separate systems or separate databases so that probably to me points to like an immature cybersecurity infrastructure um so if you know centralized entities that are looking to break into this space like all eyes are on you guys like with the celsius event the other week where celsius announced that they were pausing withdrawals like these are companies that are pioneering new technologies and new ways of interacting like we're watching that you do it right we're watching that you protect the information you collect we're watching that you you know have your customers backs and um you know ledger and celsius and companies like that are you know maybe not hitting that mark so i think i'd be wary of startups that um want to jump into web three or web five or whatever it is and have actually like really immature cybersecurity frameworks and haven't invested the right money in making sure that the data is stored properly and is protected. But that's a shame because we're, we're so excited about these new technologies and things. And then it's like, Oh, we're just back to companies disappointing us and 
treating our data like it's nothing, you know, that's really disappointing. So Karen, it's it's good that you say that. So uh, uh, you, you're talking about it from the side of the companies. Obviously, the companies are responsibilities yeah. in protecting our data. But then what can we do on our side, especially those of us who own ledgers where, you, you know, like how how can we protect our, our data? What steps should we do to stay, stay private and secure? Yeah, so going from like top to bottom, there's so many things you can do. So I have controls and protections around everything in terms of like turn your trackers off, use DuckDuckGo, not Google, things like that, that, um, you know, people aren't aware that these websites, when you're using them and when you're browsing, the data is actually being captured and is being sold and transferred to other companies. So maybe starting with self-education and being like, okay, let me just actually read this privacy policy that is being popped up on the screen and not just going like, yes to all, you know, it, it's like, Guilty. if we want, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And, and I get it because they say there's some stat that's like, if you read all the privacy policies that we were faced with, you'd be reading for like 12 years or something crazy. And, you know, nobody wants to do that, but if we're moving to a world where we we control where our data is stored and we control, you know, what blockchain it's on and what blockchains and what systems we interact with, like we need to take that ownership. And um, so I would say, you know, the basic personal controls, like being aware what browsers you're using, being aware, um, I guess, what information you're handing out. So if someone asks you for this and this and this, it's like, I want to know that there's a good reason for you collecting this and I want to know where it's going. And that might mean like reading the privacy policy and being like, oh, okay, so you're selling this overseas. You're selling this to like Experian or some, you know, credit service provider that's going to monetize that information. Um, So just being aware of those risks and yeah, actually taking a bit of time to be like, okay, there's a few steps I can do and, you know, not just handing the full control over to the party you're interacting with. So a bit of self-ownership and self-education there and also knowing what to do in the event of an incident. So, you know, if someone had picked up with that resume example, like, you know, if there was anything fishy about that, like so self-training about phishing and viruses and malware and I have like really good malware and, virus protection on my computer and my phone and I've got my privacy screens on my cameras like I'm very like there's information and being collected at all times like I won't hand over what I don't need to hand over so yeah being self-aware would be my advice makes a lot of sense yeah uh well Karen thank you very much for your for your time today it's been awesome to get all things about security and Web3. So I've I've loved the conversation. So thanks very much for your time. Me too. Thanks so much, guys. It was great chatting to you. I'm always down to chat crypto, privacy, security, any of the above.